You are listening to Hope Fellowship Church of Jaffrey, New Hampshire. If you would like to check out more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit hfcnh.org. I'm going to review kind of from last week leading into uh, just the beginning portion of chapter 6. A simple message for you today. Uh, for all of you spiritual toddlers out there, all right? That's the title of today's message, Spiritual Toddlers. I think we can all handle it. Um, it's gonna be a message that I think will strike us all. We all have uh, a place where we can be growing up. And this, this message is ultimately a, a message where the author of Hebrews is telling us to grow up and to mature uh, from a, a toddler into an adult. And uh, we'll see that theme run through this morning. And then I, I, I cut the message today. It was going to be longer, but it, as I was leading into it this morning I, I, uh, and this week, uh, there's, a, there's a passage next week that I want to get into, which is in the later portion of chapter 6. It's a very uh, challenging and thought-provoking passage, and I want to do it justice. And, and so that passage, which is verse 4 to the end of chapter 6, we'll be looking at next week. As I was, I, Like I said, as I was preparing this week, I recognized I didn't want to feel like I had to be rushed through the passage. Uh, verse 4 and uh, uh, 4 through 8 are, are some of the most... Um, challenging passages in the entire book of Hebrews and so I wanted to make sure that we thought through it well and it was presented clearly for you so so next week we'll be looking at that this week we're kind of leading into the idea that he's presenting for us and uh, so let's let's read in Hebrews chapter 5 as we've been walking through the book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 5 it'll lead us into the topic for this morning Last week we talked about Jesus as our great high priest and he'll continue on that theme. He says in verse five, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Verse six, as he says also another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death as he heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Then he kind of takes a shift. His attention shifts a little bit from this topic of the priest and the topic of Melchizedek, a deeper, complicated subject, where then it's almost like he speaks directly to the camera, right? Or he speaks directly to the audience, and he says, okay, verse 11, about this we have much to say, yet it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Verse, uh, chapter six, verse one continues on. It says, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine, or you could say, let us graduate of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and 
of instruction about washings or baptisms and the laying on of hands and the, the resurrection of the dead and the internal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let me open in prayer. Father, we thank you for this passage. We ask God that you would open our ears to hear your word. Lord, there is much that we feel oftentimes when we come under the, sitting, uh, the preaching of your word when we sit underneath it, Lord, and we subject ourselves, we humble ourselves, we open our hearts. Lord, help us to receive the implanted word of God today. Help us to hear and to listen what you would have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look back in, in, in verses five through nine, we, we kind of spoke about some of these things last week. I wanted to just focus on two words kind of before we jump in to this morning. is the word perfect and the word source. We see this in um, verses uh, kind of nine there where it says, in being made perfect, he became the source. We talked about Jesus last week. He's our great high priest. He is the perfect high priest. And here this passage, being made perfect, it's, I couldn't skip through this verse. I just had to read it again. I just loved it so much. And it's just, it's really fed me this week. Verse nine is perfect, being made perfect. This word is uh, perfect. This word is, um, is a little bit deeper than just what we think on the surface of perfect. It's being made perfect or complete or whole. It is even the word teleos here. It is used when Jesus on the cross says it is finished. He's ultimately saying it is perfect. It is complete. It is whole. It is finished. It is another translation you could say that might be more helpful for you is this idea of accomplished. So in the sense, this, this verb is speaking more about uh, function, the function of the perfect, the function of that this is Jesus, in a sense, is ultimately uh, the one who is the perfect tool for the job. He is the one that you need to complete the task at hand. You need to smash a, a nail, you grab a hammer, not a toothbrush, right? <laughs> you need the right tool for the job. Uh, and it's, so in a sense, the illustration is leading us to say that Jesus is the right tool, the, you could say, only tool, the only way of salvation. He functionally is perfect to save you from your sins. I just loved that thought as it leads me to think through then, not only is he the perfect, complete, whole tool of salvation, really, he is the source of eternal salvation the source of all that we find in salvation. Jesus learns obedience, as it says in the passage, through what he suffered. He walks through that, and he becomes the perfect, complete, whole sacrifice, the the one thing needed to save us from our sins, to save mankind and the clutches of sin and death. He is that source. The source word here is fascinating as well. It's this ground for complaint, the cause, the reason, the charge. He is the one of whom uh, is charged with the task and being made perfect for the task, he becomes the one who is able to save us from our sins, the source of eternal salvation. For in him he knows, though he endured suffering, though he endured temptation, he knew no sin. He was yet without sin, as it says. Then Jesus becomes our priest, the one who is not afar off, but the one who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses, who is made like we are, yet without sin and he becomes the great high priest of whom we can go to, the source, the cause, the reason for our eternal salvation, and then the passage is asking us to obey him, to trust in him, to follow him. 
And then he mentions twice in verse six and verse 10 this character which we mentioned last week, this character of Melchizedek. Like I said, we're gonna be looking at this in the coming weeks. So if you wanna read ahead, it'd be great. Study chapter seven as it, de- it goes really deep into this idea of Melchizedek, this figure that's brought up in Genesis chapter 14 is first where we see his name, where Melchizedek is this kingly priest who blesses Abraham. Melchizedek, as it says, is, his name means king of righteousness. He is the king of Salem or Shalom, which is the kind of future home of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, this idea of the king of Salem, the king of the future Jerusalem. It's, there are so many important lessons to draw from this. The entire chapter seven, really, like I said, is dedicated to the priestly order of Melchizedek and comparing Jesus and Melchizedek and the depth and, and the, the, the parallels and the types and the, 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 the great depth of this figure is, is beautiful to get into. It's something that I'm excited about jumping into. I'm even finding myself challenged and stretched because it goes deep. And yet before the author goes really deep into chapter seven and into the things to come, he he takes a moment to pause. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We only have a few minutes, but we're gonna take a moment to pause. And we're gonna kinda check our hearts to see if we're ready, in a sense, to take that step into the depth of maturity and growth in understanding of God. Because he gets deep and he addresses his audience and he asks them, are you ready for this, right? I'm about to teach you something that can encourage you and build you up and equip you and deepen your understanding and love for God, but are you ready to hear what I have to say? That's a question I think a lot of times we all ask ourselves when we come into church, even on a day today, some of you have been up early uh, cleaning your driveways and all of that, you come into church and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, you know? I'm just glad I made it here today, okay? But you're here today and we are challenged. Every time God's word is read, are we going to take a step and draw nearer to God today in this moment right now? And are we ready to hear what God has for us? We opening our hearts, the passages has already talked about in Hebrews over and over, the word of God, the word of God today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, he says. And every time we hear the preaching of God's word, every time we come into contact with God's word, we have to be in that point where are we ready to grow today? Are we ready to mature? Are we ready to learn and take in the engrafted word of God? And he speaks into regards to this idea of sanctification, this idea of maturity and growing up in Christ, just like we had little children, little infants with us today, little kids. He was kids even, like I said, in the service today, and you see them as they're trying to grow in grass, learning how to sit still. It's very difficult, I know. And, and yet as we grow up, there ought to be a point where they can grow up and they mature into a point where they're able to engage in what's going on in church and understand at a deeper level. In fact, this last week I was listening uh, to a podcast and the conversation in the podcast was talking about learning and increasing our knowledge. And they were talking about this idea that I remember being shared in our education courses and stuff. They talk about this, this idea of learning. It's called the zone of proximal development. This zone in which we kind of, it's also known as like scaffolded learning, where you are teaching in a way where you're trying to uh, uh, have that person grow and climb the scaffold higher and higher. 
And so there's this zone of proximal learning that everybody has and they're growing constantly where, for example, if you describe it like as I'm trying to teach my children to take and to grow and to mature, when we have a young child, you often speak to them above their level of understanding. Yes, there's times when you speak and you slow down and you try to explain it very clearly to a child so they can get it. But most of the time, you as a parents are speaking to your toddlers or you're speaking to your children in, in an area of level of understanding just slightly higher than they get. In fact, when I speak to my three-year-old, to Taylor, I recognize that when I'm speaking to her, she's not always understanding the vocabulary I'm using, but she's grasping some aspect of what I'm saying. In fact, the other night, um, I, I do this so that I can share it in illustration so I look like an amazing father, but uh, I was reading uh, a book that actually Josh had purchased, but it's, a, it's, a, it's the Bible, right? Turns out, good idea to read to your kids, um, but it's split up into really short sections that you can read to your kids, and it helps me because, you know, and, and yet it's the real Bible. It's not translated, it's just the scripture, and I understand my three-year-old and six-year-old aren't grasping everything I'm reading to them. There's so many ideas and concepts in the scripture stories, even the Old Testament stories that they're not getting. And then Taylor will eventually just like, you know, ask some random funny question and it's hilarious. But they're reading, they're, they're, as I'm reading to them, they're, they're getting something. They're, they're kind of, they're sitting under this understanding that's a little bit higher and it's forcing them to constantly mature and grasp the things that they can't fully reach yet. But it's being, we're setting a bar that's a little bit high for them and they're hoping to reach it. Even in today, there's children here in the service. Do they get everything that I'm talking about? Some of you adults are like, Jordan, I don't even get half the things you talk about. Okay, well, we, we get that, right? There are certain levels it's, it, to, in this room in that sense, right? But, but we're all here sitting under the preaching of God's word and we're all growing and maturing together. And we recognize that we might not understand or grasp anything, but the whole point of this is, is saying that there is a point in life, in your Christian walk, where you should not need to be spoon-fed everything. There, there is a point where the scripture or here he is asking the congregation to, to mature, to, to develop, to expand your zone of proximal development. In fact, there was a whole sitcom talked about this, right? Arrested development. Your development has been arrested and at a standstill. You're still a spiritual toddler when you should be an adult teaching others. That is what he's saying. And it really hits us hard for we, we recognize there are things in which it, God has really forced us to mature in and yet we constantly see in our lives so many areas in which we feel we're still little infants. We still have so much to learn. And so he says in verse 11, I have a lot to say to you. I have a lot to teach you. I'm about to teach you some subjects in chapter seven that are challenging and deep and yet I feel are worthwhile for you to learn. And yet I am not sure if you're ready. Does he say, well, because they're not smart enough or you know, they, they can't grasp it? Or No, he says, because you're dull of hearing. You're dull of hearing, and as soon as I said hearing, you couldn't hear my voice as it dropped out there, I'm not sure. The, the, the mic just dropped out. This idea of hearing, right? You might not be able to actually hear what I'm saying to you. You're not listening. And so this idea, dull of hearing, this word dull is this, almost this sense of zoning out. This idea of, of feeling numb. You could say almost like daydreaming. Have you ever had that? In your, I can still think back to college and these things where you're sitting in class and you're literally just in a totally different zone. You are daydreaming. You have no idea what that teacher is droning on and on and on about, right? 
that feeling of being hearing the words but not processing any of them. They might go in one ear and what if the, where your parents always say goes in one ear and out the other, right? <laughs> Are you listening to me? Wives, you know what this is like. You're telling your husbands these things and you, you've been telling them and explaining them. Are you listening to me? And they say, what? <laughs> you know? Well, they, they aren't hearing. They're not listening. They're not processing. And every time the word of God is preached, there, this is a two-way street, right? You know, we, we work together in this. I, I preach the word. I, I speak the word as best way as I know how, but it is ultimately up to you to receive the word to receive and to listen to the word that is being preached. Delivering God's word is ultimately a two-way street. I heard this week somebody talking about uh, preaching and they were talking about kind of the styles of preaching and I have my own style, many other people have their own style and that's wonderful, but at the end of the day, we aren't here to necessarily entertain or to do any of those things, but ultimately all I'm here is, and they were saying for preaching is this idea of, of simply being a mailman. I'm here to deliver the mail, and you're here to receive the mail. You can leave it in the mailbox if you like, and you can move on, but the mail will be delivered. And as a mailman, often that's all I gotta do. Uh, There are sometimes Sundays where I feel like I really understand it and I've given the best mail I possibly can give. And then sometimes it doesn't seem to work together the way I thought, and yet at the end of the day, have I delivered the mail? And are you receiving the package? Are you opening up the engrafted word and receiving it into your hearts? Today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. Draw near to him. This is the idea. So we need to be, in a sense, fighting this concept of, of having our hearing dulled. The importance and the eternal truth of God can go in one ear out the other if we're not careful. And so he's warning us, be careful of that. Then he's saying also be careful because so many of you are still drinking milk when you ought to be eating meat. This is not a new concept. In fact, throughout the scripture, this is a common, common thing. At multiple different places, it speaks about this, this interaction between milk and meat. In 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here, this concept is of milk, of actually something that you need in the beginning, and something that you need to keep you going. And yet, as the other passages in this scripture speak about, there is much more depth in order for you to take. There's a big, healthy steak waiting for you to walk in and take and eat of. First Corinthians 3, 2, but brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it, for you are still of the flesh. Ephesians four thirteen. he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God. And here it is, to mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we may no longer be like little children tossed to and fro by waves carried by every wind of doctrine and human cunning by craftiness and deceitful screams. The idea of sanctification and growing up in Christ, maturing in the knowledge of God. We are to grow up from being these infants needing the milk, growing up into the mature things of God. And so, in a way, he is saying, stop acting like a Christian toddler. And he's saying, right now, you guys are acting a little bit like a high-maintenance Christian toddler, for I'm constantly having to teach you again the same things over and over. I'm constantly needing to remind you of the basic, basic principles of God. 
Just like a toddler is so forgetful and you're constantly reminding them of the same things over and over. You know, and yet they, they're always distracted. They're always looking over there. They can't focus on any one thing. Squirrel, right? They're over there. And then they should be over this direction. You're like, come on, focus on the task, right? You know, make sure you get this. Did you grab that? Did you do this? Yeah. And, and there's the constant reminder. And yet, we're a toddler. We understand they're a toddler. I don't treat my son Judson like a full-grown man. He's 10 months old. And we often tell the girls, hey, it's okay. He's a baby. That's what babies do. But eventually, as the kids grow up, I don't say they're a baby anymore. Hey, you're six years old. Tie your own shoes, right? Hey, you're six years old. Go get your own drink of water. I don't need to do that for you anymore. You're a big kid now, right? We often do that. And so here in a way, in a very similar way, so similar in the fact that he uses things that we can all understand, infants and adults, milk and meat. It's very simple. And yet he's saying, grow up, grow up. Don't allow your proximal development in order to stay like a toddler. It should be growing each and every day. And yet, He's saying that, that too, that this isn't also something like, like I was saying earlier, that for some of you, you're brand new into the faith, you're brand new into the church, you're still understanding and grasping these things, and so in so many ways, you are young in the faith, and that's okay. But for those of you who he's saying, and that's the group he's talking to you, by now you should know better. He's speaking to you today. He's speaking to those of us who have been in church, sitting under church. We, we've, we've had the instruction. We know the things we're supposed to know. We know these things, and it's not the first time you've heard someone say this, and yet over and over, you're constantly needing reminders about the basic principles of, of the word of God when you ought to be reminding other people and the new believers and the young infants in the faith, you ought to be the ones, the teachers, who should be reminding them about the basic principles of God. And so he, he doesn't lose hope here in a sense in the people or, or the church. And rather, he says, we feel sure of better things. In verse nine, he says, this is happening among you, but yet for you, I feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. That's verse nine, you can look at that. And then he goes on to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that is our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And then he does move on to chapter seven where he teaches them about Melchizedek and the depths of understanding there. So he does go on and he moves on from the ABCs into reading full length books, right? And so as he teaches them, they do graduate from being unskilled into the word, uh, taking milk rather than meat, rather their discernment is lacking, they, they aren't able to distinguish between right and wrong, they're, they're, they're not taking the time in these things. And so there is a growth that's happening, but he is challenging them in this. And so in a way today, I don't want you to feel as if I'm coming down at you, but in the sense that we are all, every single one, individually challenged right now within our hearts. You're not thinking about someone else. Oh yeah, they, yeah, that they need this, right? That's the exact opposite thing you're supposed to be doing right now. In, in your heart, you are challenging yourself from the scripture and from God's word. Where is it that I need to be maturing? Where is it that I need to be growing up in Christ? Where is it that I am still eating spiritual fast food? Where is it that I am still taking the candy in every day and I do not have a balanced diet? I'm eating spiritual candy each and every day and I am not growing healthier and stronger in the things of God. My faith is growing weaker. 
It's like the package when it says contains some real meat, you know, right? Those things, you know, it contains some, you know, we're not really sure how much, but yet without discernment, we will take in and eat whatever we see in front of us. And so the whole point is here, with discernment, they are trained in the word of God to be able to distinguish this is good and this is not. This is better and this is less. We have a choice often in life constantly with what we hear, with what we take in, and with what we spiritually eat. And the passage is saying here, mature, grow up, eat the meat, throw out the spiritual candy, take what's deep, the deep things of God, and dig into the word and eat and feast on him. And then he tells us ultimately at the end to graduate to verse, chapter six, verse one, therefore leave the elementary doctrines. These are the basic, the simple things. This, leave the elementary doctrines. Not saying that elementary is not important. In fact, it is important, but it is the foundational building block upon which your knowledge stands. Without elementary doctrines, we don't know and can't move on. Without elementary, how do you expect to go to college or receive a master's degree or become a master in some trade? How, how is it that you, you need to start with the basics? But don't just stay there, grow up, and then begin to know the basics in such a way that you can teach others to know the basics. And so this idea of the simple gospel is not something that we outgrow and do not need, but rather it is the foundation. So we do not need to replace that foundation over and over again. That's what he says in verses two and three. He's like, we don't need to lay the foundation over and over. For those of you guys who build and do foundations, you know, we don't need to put the foundation in multiple times. We put the foundation and we build the house. In your spiritual life, lay that foundation. Make sure it's set and your doctrines are good and the truth is right and you lay those foundations so you can build the house upon it. Repentance from dead works. Uh, he talks about instructions about baptism or washings, uh, the laying on of hands, uh, things about the resurrection of the dead and our future heavenly home and then this eternal judgment of Christ's return. Basically what he's doing is he's saying there's, there's several basic things that we ought to understand and know but you shouldn't be needing to be re-instructed on those constantly. Ripping up the foundation and trying to put in a new one. Ripping up the foundation and trying to put in a new one. These things are the basic things of Christian faith. Lay those down, follow those things and build upon it. This is what, what, what is the, kind of the goal of this spiritual growth. And so, so in a sense, as we close this idea of the simple things of the Christian faith, this foundation in which to grow and build upon, the milk that we take in in order to grow and mature in to being able to bear fruit and in a sense take in the meat. This is a personal, responsible, active obedience that all of us have in the scripture. Many times in scripture where we kind of come where the passage will stress either personal responsibility or God's work in that responsibility and the work within us. To God transforms and changes us and yet we also work and active and obey. This passage in Hebrews especially is stressing us to us personally to introspectively look within ourselves and say, am I trusting God and believing in him and am I obeying him in the simple things that he has called me to do and am I challenging myself to go deeper into the word and expand my knowledge of him and ultimately then am I choosing to then disciple someone else to do the same. That's the process of every Christian who comes into the church. That is the process of everyone who is a disciple of Jesus. And so my challenge for us today, no matter what age you are, or what your literal age is, I want you to consider your spiritual maturity. Are you at a place where you should be discipling someone else, and are you discipling someone else? Or are you at a place in your faith where you are needing someone to disciple you? Neither one is right or wrong. 
What I'm saying is, I think there's a point for all of us to come into that real straight up understanding of like, if I, I need to take that next step. I need to graduate from these things. I need to walk beyond this, but I'm not really sure how. This is a church, it's a wonderful place to do it. I would love to help you with that. There are many other people that I could point you to that could help disciple you in the faith to take the, and to grow. And so this discipleship, this mentor, that is what the Christian community is for. And yet some of you are at a part or a place where where this dull of hearing and this you should be eating the meat and you know that you're at the point where you're being pricked, the Spirit is talking to you that you have that name in your head that you should be discipling them. You should be walking with them. You should be helping them and teaching them the scripture. You should be a teacher by now. And so the point is, where are you at with that? Where are you at with that? Paul says to Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to other faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. Entrust it to others. Titus 2 speaks of the older women within the church ought to be training the younger women. Are you doing that? And so this is that, that, that in our hearts and in our ears, we hear God's word, we see where we are not meeting that point there, but we recognize that here we've been challenged today to take that step, to leave the elementary, to graduate, to step into maturity, to go, as it says, to go on to maturity, and to remember all the while as Colossians 1 says that it is not all our ability to will these things to happen. Colossians 1:28, him we proclaim, Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ, mature. And then for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Paul is saying, I toil to this end to present the, the church mature in Christ, but it is not all about me. It's about his energy that he powerfully works in me. And so where is it that you need to step up? Are you needing to disciple someone here among you in the church or in your family or someone you know? Or are you needing discipling yourself? Please don't take that step and say, well, I'm gonna leave now. Go speak to someone. I'd love to set up ways in which we can have those processes and where discipleship can take place and yet recognizing all the while that it is his energy that he powerfully works in me to accomplish this until the day he returns. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We praise you for these things, God. It's a hard thing to hear sometimes. It's a hard thing to hear sometimes, Lord. But goodness, I need to hear it. (laughs) We need to hear it. We need to hear your word. We need to hear your truth. We need to be brought under it. Humble ourselves to receive it. Lord, help us in this. May you work right now, even among these families and among these people. May you work. May your spirit move among these people to, to challenge us to, to take that step. Whether it's asking for help, discipleship, someone to teach us these things, or whether, God, we know that we ought to be those who are teaching others these things. Help us to find that place, and, and may you direct, and may you lead in this. And God, may you use your church to grow and to equip us and to teach us these things. Lord, we we come before you and we thank you, God, for your example, Lord, that you have gone before us and we can imitate you and follow you and get to know you in relationship. And God, I I pray for that. I pray that we we would focus on that, that we would grow up in you.
Thank you for these truths, Lord. Help us to glorify you today, even as we leave this place and in the fellowship that we have. May you be glorified in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.